Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? You good? All right. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It's early. I'm going to do that again. I usually don't do that, but I will do that again. Good morning. How are you guys doing? See, that's good. It is a good day to be alive. It is a good day to be here. We are in week four of our series called Afterlife on what heaven will be like. And I'm just telling you, I have loved this series and the conversations that it has spurred. Um, have you guys enjoyed it so far, those of you who've been here? Yeah, it's been a good series. Um, uh, let me recap where we've been the last few weeks. Uh, week one, um, we talked about how everybody lives forever. And the whole caveat there was somewhere. Everybody lives forever. We are eternal beings, and we're all going to live somewhere. Um, week two, we talked about good people don't go to heaven, um, but forgiven people go to heaven. It's not about how much good you do and your good outweighing your bad. It's about being forgiven by Jesus Christ um, through a relationship with him. We talked about that week two. Last week, we really spent the whole day on the sights and sounds and feel of what Scripture tells us heaven will be like. And so I want to just say this. If you missed any one of those three... You missed a good one. So go back online, kensingtonorlando.org. You can watch or listen to all three of those weeks. Now, today, we're getting into what the Bible talks about in the future. We're turning our attention to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the world, right? So it's the second coming of Jesus Christ and the end of the world. And many of you know the book of Revelation in the Bible. Um, it gives us a wild look at some of the events that will take place during the end times. It's an apop- apocalyptic book. It's a prophetic book. It's talking about things that are to come that have not yet happened. And it describes epic battles and fires and earthquakes, wars between good and evil. And to be honest, it can be really difficult to unwrap. And at times it reads more like a movie script than it does the Bible. And so uh, this is what I thought we would do today. I thought we would have a little bit of fun today and we would start out with a game. Since we're talking about the end of the world, we'll start out with a game. Um, And here's the game. The game, the goal of the game is to identify whether the passage that I read comes from the book of Revelation in the Bible or J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, okay? That is the game, and so here's how the game works. I need everybody to get on your feet. This is a full room participation, everybody on their feet, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture or passage of scripture, or out of the book of uh, the Lord of the Rings, um, and if you think it's out of uh, Revelation, I want you to face to your right. Okay, if you think it's out of Revelation, face to your right. If you think it's out of Lord of the Rings, face to your left. Okay, you guys get it? Those are the rules. Okay, you guys ready to play? Okay, there is a prize at the end of this game. So, here we go. Let me get to the very first uh, passage that I'm going to read, and then I'm going to ask you to guess. Here's the first passage. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation, beyond all darkness, where thy flesh shall be devoured, and thy shriveled mind be left naked. Turn to your left if you think it's Lord of the Rings, right if you think it's out of the book of Revelation. Everybody guess now? Three, two, one. Okay, survey says, Lord of the Rings. There you go. Nope, stay stay standing, stay standing. We're not to the sit-down part yet. That's coming. We're doing a couple of warm-up ones. All right, here's the second one. It shall all go up in a great fire and all shall be ended. Ash, ash and smoke blown away on the wind. Left, Lord of the Rings. Right, book of Revelation. All right, there you go. Answer answer is another Lord of the Rings quote. There we go. All right, stay standing. One more freebie and then we're going to start going with the game. All right, here's the last one in the first part of the game. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. Left, Lord of the Rings. Right, Revelation. All right, three, two, one. Survey says, 
Revelation. Okay, now's when the game begins. Now's when the game begins. All right, if you miss this one, you're going to sit down, and if you get it right, stay standing. Here we go. The beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Left, Lord of the Rings. Right, Revelation. All right, survey says, Revelation 11.7. If you got that wrong, have a seat. All right, the next one. Here we go. Their armies gathered together to wage war against the one seated on the horse and against his army. Left, Lord of the Rings. Right, Revelation. Three, two, one. Survey says, Revelation. If you got that one wrong, have a seat. All right, here we go. Next one. The third age of the world is ended and the new age is begun. And it is your task to order its beginning and to preserve what may be preserved. Left Lord of the Rings, right Revelation. You guess. Three, two, one. Survey says, Lord of the Rings. Good job, everybody. I don't think we lost any. Oh, we lost one back there. All right, here we go. Who of all the wise could have foreseen it? Or if they are wise... Why should they expect to know it until the hour has struck? Left, Lord of the Rings. Right, Revelation. Three, two, one. Survey says, Lord of the Rings. Have a seat if you got it wrong. There we go. We're winnowing the crowd. All right, here we go. Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Right, Revelation. Left, Lord of the Rings. Three, two, one. Survey says, Revelation. Sit down if you chose Lord of the Rings. All right, we got three more. Let's see if we can get down to just a couple of you. Many that live deserve death, and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. Left, Lord of the Rings. Right, Revelation. Survey says, Lord of the Rings, have a seat. Two to go. Here we go. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Right revelation, left Lord of the Rings. Survey says, Revelations 3, 1. All right, last one. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent. Left Lord of the Rings, right revelation. 3, 2, 1. Survey says, Revelation. Ah, All right, if you you are still standing, stay standing. This is what you win, everybody. Let's give them a round of applause. Woo! Guys, you can go ahead and have a seat. Well, I'll tell you, we are going to be reading a lot of Scripture today, and we're going to be talking about passages that we as a church, we really don't teach on a whole lot, but I think it's important to this series. And they are dealing with the future. They're dealing with the second coming of Jesus Christ. They're dealing with the end of the world as we know it. There are dark and scary passages that describe how the end of the world will happen when Jesus comes back to earth. And the Bible says that when Jesus comes back to earth, he will come on the clouds and that those who believe in him will be caught up in the air to meet Jesus and disappear from the earth in an instant leaving those who are not followers behind, and it will be a worldwide cataclysmic event.
she'll be okay. Huh? Mom. She still wears that necklace, you know. No white lady. She never takes off. They're gonna be all right, right? Mom and Dad. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Dad just got called into work. There's nothing you can do, okay? Dad, tell you about my game? Are you kidding me? You're all we've talked about. He said that you were the greatest baseball player in the whole world. And you know what? What? He's right. <laughs> I love you. Thanks, you Now let's get you some clothes, huh? I'm comfortable like this. Yeah, well, this is heaven for everyone.
that movie clip was from a movie called Left Behind. Um, and really, it was made in 2014. Nicolas Cage was in it, actually. And um, it was written, actually, out of prophetic passages um, of Scripture about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it was a terrible movie. I mean, it was like the worst. The premise and the storyline was awesome because it's right out of Scripture, and it is, like, cataclysmic. Um, but it's written out of a book series called the Left Behind series that came out, you know, a couple, I think it was a couple of decades ago. Um, but it just kind of took the nation by storm and movies started being, being kind of coming out of that, those books. Um, but here's the deal. We've been studying God's word in order to see what, um, uh, beyond this life on earth into a future in heaven with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's kind of what we've been doing. And, and it, it, we've been doing that in an effort to live out this verse in Colossians, um, which has been a foundational verse of this entire series um, where the writer Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to those of us who believe is that Jesus, um, that Jesus is coming back. He's preparing a place for us. And you need to live on earth with a heavenly mindset. Here is temporary. You are citizens of heaven. He's speaking to believers. You are a citizen of heaven already. So live with a heavenly mindset. It's a powerful mindset to have because it makes here more bearable when difficulty or tragedy strikes. It kind of gives us something eternal to look forward to. And as you focus on heaven and what is to come, we find the most highly anticipated prophecy in Scripture, and that's Jesus coming back in the end of the old earth which we live on in the ushering in of the new earth which is to come. Now, no one wants to think about the actual end of the world, do we? No, we don't want to think about the actual end of the world, but yet at the same time... We love to watch movies about the end of the world, don't we? We love TV shows about the end of the world. Um, I'm just telling you, uh, tell you, guess how many movies depict the end of the world? Just give me a number. How many? 50. All right, 200. All right, over 300 movies in the IMDb database talk about in our movies about the end of the world. Here's some of the names of them where the main plot line is world annihilation. You've got Armageddon. Now, that was a good movie. Um, Deep Impact, Earthquake, Supernova, Aftershock, Asteroid, I Am Legend. Remember that one? Solar Flare, Super Eruption, Thor, The Dark World, Independence Day, The Day After, DEFCON 4, Flash Gordon, one of my personal favorites, um, The Mad Max franchise, The Seventh Sign, The Fifth Wave, The Star Trek franchise, World War Z, the Cloverfield franchise, the Terminator franchise, Hunger Games franchise, Pacific Rim, terrible movie, Edge of Tomorrow, not too bad, current TV shows, The 100, The Walking Dead, The Last Man on Earth, Colony, um, the list goes on and on. We are fascinated with the end of the world. Wouldn't you say? Yes, we are fascinated with the end of the world in our culture. And we're not just fascinated with the end of the world. We are also fascinated about something that is very interestingly shows up in all of our movies, books, and TVs. We have a fascination with the idea of one or a few people saving all of humanity from total annihilation. We have this idea we, we are drawn to. We have this fascination with this idea of one person or a small group of people um, saving us from the end of our species as we know it. Almost every one of the movies I just, I just listed and also the other 300 have central to the plot one person that saves the world. And I will just tell you that plot line comes from the Bible. 
That is where that plot line comes from. One man saving the world. It's throughout scripture. Noah, um, who God used to save a remnant from total annihilation of mankind from the earth. Esther saved the Israelites from annihilation during the reign of King Xerxes. Moses led all the Israelites out of Egypt. Jonah sent to Nineveh to turn them away from certain destruction by God. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, sent to save the entire world from sin and an eternity apart from God. We are so fascinated with this plot line. And the question is, why are we so fascinated with this idea of one man to save us all? And I will just tell you this because that plot line is in us. It's woven into our DNA. God put it there so that we might turn to the one that truly can save us from an eternity apart from God in hell. Romans 5, 17, 8, 17 and 18. For the sin of this one man, Adam, going all the way back to the beginning, caused death to rule over many, ushered death into this world. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Jesus is that one Savior that saves us from our own sin, which separates us from God. And that's why I believe we're so drawn to the reality that we need a benevolent Savior to save us from world catastrophe. And so let me, let me uh, answer a question you might be thinking in your mind. Why are we talking about this in a series on heaven? Like, I want puppies and rainbows in a series on heaven. Please, give me lollipops, clouds. I'll even take playing harps for eternity over world annihilation. Why are we talking about this? And I want to tell you, it's, there's two reasons we're talking about this. And why I think it's important to spend a whole Sunday morning on is one, because part of our job as a church is um, preparation for the life to come. That's part of our job as a church, is to prepare you for the life to come. We are created to be eternal beings. Every one of us is heading towards that day when we pass from this life on to the next. And as a church, we need to talk about what Scripture says is to come. So I want you to be prepared. Part of uh, The second reason is because Jesus talked about it. A lot. In Scripture, he promised his disciples and his followers, you and me, that he is coming back. He wrote the original movie line, I'll be back. Like, he wrote that and said it way back when, 2,000 years ago. He said he would return to this earth and claim those who follow him, John 14, 2 and 3. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready? I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. We have read this verse a couple of times in this series where Jesus is just saying, look, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to bring you with me so that you'll always be with me. And then we have this passage where Jesus says to his disciples, again, I'm leaving, but we'll be back. And he says, but when I leave, I'm going to give you something special, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, to dwell inside of you. And then he says this in John 14, verse 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. I want to just pause there because you need to realize as much as you fight and try to find peace on this earth and in this world, it, the world can't give it to you. This world, will you can, you can work hard and try and set everything up around your life to be peaceful and serene and get everything set up, but I'm telling you, you will not find peace in this world. You will only find it through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. He says, I'm giving you peace of mind and heart, and it's a gift that the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. 
And then in the very next book, the book of Acts in the New Testament, the disciples watch Jesus ascend into heaven. Now, some of you skeptics in here might be going, you really believe that? Like, you really believe this stuff that we're talking about and the end of the world and Jesus coming back and all this stuff? And I will just, I'll put it this way. Um, I am a mostly sane adult, okay? Mostly sane. Um, last time I checked. Um, and I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was who he said he was. I believe he died and rose again to pay for my sins. And I believe what he said to be true. If I believe in him, I need to believe in what he said. So if he said it, I believe it. So as we read what he says will happen, I believe it'll happen. Why? Because I believe in Jesus. And that means that the things that he said are true. Scripture tells us that Jesus was here. History um, tells us that Jesus was here. We have tons of manuscript and, and historical evidence. In November, we're doing a, uh, a whole series on how you and I can know the Bible's true, how you and I can learn to study it, and how you and I can apply it and, it, and allow God's Word to change our life and impact our life. So um, that's going to be in November. But no one disputes that Jesus walked on this earth, did amazing miracles, and died on the cross. He then rose from the dead three days later, spent 40 days with his disciples and said, I'm coming back. And he talks in detail. And this, maybe you haven't read this part of the Bible. Um, He talks in detail about what will happen when he comes back. And so I want to teach through some difficult passages of scripture about the end times. And then I want to give you three action steps about what to do with that information. So let me pray for us before we dive into this next little part of the message. Um, God, thank you for today. I thank you that you do not want us to go into the future blindly, but that you have very clearly laid out what is to come, Father. And I love what you said in your words where you just said, don't be troubled or afraid, Lord. So I pray that as we read through these scriptures, that none of us would be troubled or afraid, but that we would just listen for your still small voice to speak specifically whatever it is that you want each one of us to hear from you this morning. So we give to you the next few moments of this service in your holy name. Amen. So in Matthew 24, um, Jesus, he's saying, look, I'm going to be leaving earth and I'm coming back and it'll be a worldwide event. And then this is what happens in Matthew 24, verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? I'm going to read a lot of scripture here this morning, just giving you a fair warning. So Jesus begins to talk about the future. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And the disciples all said, yippee, that sounds great. And there are many who say, if I just stop right there, there are many who say that what's going on in our world today sounds somewhat like what Jesus is talking about. Just a few years back, I don't know if you've forgotten, we, we kind of got a very short news cycle in our minds. Just a few years ago, if you remember, ISIS was going door to door and executing any Christian they found. Um, our nation seems to be turning away from Judeo-Christian beliefs. So Jesus is saying, hey, some of the stuff that you see in your world are going to be the beginning of birth pains. Verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of witnesses, of, of uh, wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. 
But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And then Jesus goes on to describe some pretty awful stuff, referencing some um, prophetic scriptures that are in the book of Daniel from the Old Testament. And then in verse 21, he says, For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones, those who believe in Jesus. It's going to be so bad when this all comes down that if it weren't cut short, it would wipe out the world's population. Again, we're fascinated with this in our culture. We're here, Jesus is saying that that's what's coming somehow. And I think you're understanding why there's a reason the church doesn't teach on this very much. Because <laughs> it's like, it's so quiet. I'm so sorry to wreck your Sunday. Um, but this is why we don't touch on it very much because it's a lot to swallow and we like to live with our life right in our front windshield and we like to set everything up and we don't want to look too far past what's going on right now that's just the way we're, we're wired the way our culture goes but i mean you know when you look at this okay there's there's some stuff coming but wait there's more it gets worse okay matthew 24 verse 29 immediately after the anguish of those days the sun will be darkened the moon will give no light the stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man, Jesus, is how he refers to himself, is coming, will appear in the heavens, like the bat signal. And there will be deep mourning among all the people of the earth. I was trying to give you an opportunity to laugh, kind of lift the room a little bit. It's okay. Um, Don't worry about it. I will try something different next service. (laughs) And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. And so I'll just, I'll stop there, but here's what we know. When Jesus comes back, it will be a worldwide event. It will be known throughout the world. And it sounds pretty phenomenal, pretty cataclysmic, worldwide darkness, and then the light of Jesus lighting up the world as he comes on the cloud and clouds, and somehow everyone around the globe will see him coming. I don't know how he'll figure that out, but he's God. He can do that kind of stuff. When it does happen, Scripture is very clear, it will be unmistakable. Everyone will know. And scripture says that every knee shall, will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. When that happens, everyone will know. Um, all, the, uh, all the people on earth, they will know that it is Jesus coming out. We don't know how they'll know, but they will know. I say Instagram. You can come up with your own thing. Um, it also says that Jesus is saying, look, people will mourn at their own rebellion. Because in an instant, they will know who Jesus is and they will know that they have chosen to live their life against him. It will be an immediate mourning for the way that some of us, many of us may be living our lives right now because we will understand that maybe what we're hearing today is absolutely true and that that is Jesus. It also says that Jesus will come in great power, in great glory, like the world has never seen before. And I will just tell you this. Um, I have been hearing about this my whole life. I grew up going to church. My mom dragged my brother and I Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, any other day that the church was open, we were there. And we went to all kinds of churches, and some of them taught on this stuff. Some of them didn't. But I've been hearing it my whole life. I've studied it. You know, when I was taken in, in seminary, I studied it. Um, there's a ton more detail that we can get into that's very, very detailed and very, very specific. But the big question is really what the disciples originally asked Jesus in this passage. When will this happen? 
Like, when is this going to happen? Because it seems like some of these birth pains are already happening in our culture. Well, I will let Jesus answer the question, when is this going to happen? He says just a little bit further down, Matthew 24, he says, but about that day or hour, who knows? No one. No one knows. Now, not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son, only the Father knows. And this is important because anyone that claims to know when the world is going to end or when Jesus is coming back, you need to know that not even Jesus knows when God is going to send him back. So they're making stuff up. And I hate to say that, but, but you know, we can see birth pains, but we have no idea of the due date, okay? Like there may be some screaming and some hollering going on because birth is coming, but we don't know when that baby's going to actually show up. But when Jesus does return, it will be sudden and it will be drastic, verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill. One will be taken and the other left. This is where we get the Left Behind book series and the Left Behind movies. It's from Jesus himself actually talking, describing what will happen as God ushers in a new heavens and a new earth. Now, could this happen in our lifetime? There are people that say yes because of what's happening in our world. Others say no, and I will just say this. Every generation, including the disciples talking to Jesus then, every generation has believed it would happen during their generation. Every generation has believed that. And I will just tell you there will come a day that there is a generation that's right. Okay? There will come a day there's a generation that will be right. But as far as if it will happen, the Bible has a pretty phenomenal track record on prophecy. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that happened um, uh, that, were, that were spoken thousands of years ago that have come true. They are historically accurate. We know that they happened. And then there's a whole lot of stuff that's coming that hasn't happened yet. And this is not what's interesting about it. It's not like Ostradamus stuff, uh, you know, where you've got to kind of, or Nostradamus, is that how you say it? It's like Nostradamus, okay. Um, it, it's, it's not like him where it's vague and you don't really know what's going to happen. I, what Jesus just described is pretty Pretty clear. It's pretty understandable what he's talking about. Now, will this happen? Am I crazy if I think it will? Does that make me crazy? Well, if it makes me crazy, then Jesus was crazy, and that's one of the options we can choose when it comes to Jesus. But I just say this. If I believe in Jesus, I have to believe in what he said. I have to believe that this is something that actually could happen. Now, if you want to talk more in depth about the book of Revelation, because Jesus is describing um, certain events that happen, Revelation gets into a lot more detail. And I'll just say this. If you want to uh, a little more de- in-depth talk about Revelation and understand it more, uh, Bill Malott started this last week, a Bible, uh, through the Bible in 13 weeks. The very last week of the study is on the book of Revelation. If you want to learn about it, talk about it, discuss it, um, start showing up up on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock where Bill is walking through the Bible in 13 weeks. Um, it's still a great time to join. They're going to be doing the second week of that series of that teaching on Thursday nights. It's kind of like a classroom setting, um, a discussion format. I would really encourage you to just go there. If you're interested in this stuff, you'll eventually end up in the book of Re- Revelation. Um, but all of this leads my mind to the question, um, so what? 
what do we do with all this? Well, my first answer to that is we receive our offering. Okay, so ushers, come on down. Um, uh, this is the time where if you're new here, uh, I want you to just let the basket go by. We're grateful that you're here. I don't want you to feel any pressure during this moment of our service. Um, you know, this is our gift to you. For those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. Thank you so much for supporting us. Thank you so much for being engaged, um, you know, financially and what we're doing. And, um, and just thank you for being, trusting God with what he's given to you. And, uh, and just for those of you that give online, you know, it's the easiest way to give here. Um, thank you for doing that as well. Um, we are blessed by your, your giving. So I have three responses to kind of what we talked on. And again, this is just the surface. We're scratching the surface, surface of this whole idea of Jesus coming back in the end of the world. Um, but I have three responses. And the first one is this, be ready, be ready. If this were to happen tonight, be ready. Matthew 24, Jesus is talking. He says, so you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when least expected. Now, what does that mean to be ready? Thankfully, Jesus explains it in verse 45. Um, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus is clearly saying to us, be faithful and wise servants. Be ready. Do what you have been called to do. And if you do, as we've been talking in heaven, there is increased leadership and responsibility when he returns. We will have roles and responsibilities in heaven. Now, what does a faithful and wise servant do on this earth? First thing he does or she does is he loves God and loves others. I know what a faithful see you love God, love others. Matthew 22, verse 37, um, live lives that are honorable to God and, and honoring to others. Live godly lives. It's like when I teach up here, I am truly teaching for life change. I really do want you to take God at his word and try living out what he says is the right way to live and see if it doesn't bless your socks off. And on top of that, allows you to be found when he returns. A good and faithful servant. A good and faithful servant reaches the lost. A faithful servant tells people about Jesus, invites people to church, um, has an evangelistic mindset. It's one of the things Jesus said. He's like, go out and tell the world about me. Um, and if you want to know how to, how to kind of save the world uh, one life at a time, don't miss the next series. Um, I'll get to that in just a second. But a good and faithful servant reaches the lost. A good and faithful servant makes disciples of all the nations. That's what we do as a church. A good and faithful servant um, uh, builds up the church, serves within the church, invites those around them into relationship with Jesus Christ and helps people grow spiritually by leading um, certain areas of the church out, but also teaching God's word as they get to know it and uh, being around those things which will grow depth um, and discipleship around here. A good and faithful servant serves and takes care of the poor, the widows, and the orphans. Jesus is so specific, like take care of the poor and the widows and the orphans. 
And most importantly, a faithful and wise servant has accepted Jesus into their heart. The most important thing you can do to be ready for when this day comes is, is, is have your name written in the book of life, which is talked about a lot in Revelation. We've been talking about that in this series. So the question is, if Jesus were to come back right this moment, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you begun a relationship with him? Once you have that relationship with Jesus, Scripture is very clear that you are sealed with him. You become a citizen of heaven. You are saved from fear of what is to come. And I will just tell you this. I have zero fear in my heart about what I read in Revelation or what Jesus is talking about. Zero fear. Why? Because God has given me this incredible peace through the power of his Holy Spirit. When I accepted Jesus into my life, he sent his spirit to live inside of me, giving this peace that Jesus talks about. You'll have a peace that the world can't give you. And I'll just tell you, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins so that whosoever believes in him um, shall not perish but have everlasting life in heaven with him. And so if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, you've never become a Christian, I want to um, give you the opportunity to do that, to be ready for the afterlife. And so I'm going to hit pause on this message before I give you the other two things. And I want to give some of you the opportunity to accept Jesus right now. Um, Would you, all of you, um, close your eyes and bow your head with me right now. And if you um, have never stepped across the line of faith and invited Jesus Christ into your life, I just want to encourage you to do that right this moment. He's ready to accept you, and all you have to do is believe in him, and he gives you the keys to an eternity in heaven. And so if you're ready, if you want to be transformed this morning, I want to ask you to repeat my words um, from your heart to God's. You don't need to say them out loud, but it's just this moment between you and God. He hears you the moment you say, hey, God, he goes, what? Because he's listening. So just you can borrow my words. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins and rose again. And I place my faith in him. I pray that you will forgive me for my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against here. And learn to have a heavenly mindset. God, I surrender my life to you. In your name, amen. Now, if you prayed with me, I want to ask you to do a couple things. One is tell somebody today. Tell somebody that you know has been praying with you, for you, um, that invited you here. And stop by the starting point area right out there. We'd love to give you a Bible and talk to you about how we can help you grow. Because you just made a decision that will literally change the trajectory of your life here on earth. And certainly the trajectory of your life um, once this life is over. So let me get to the second action step. Um, And the second action step is this. Let the next motivate the now. Let the next motivate the now. Matthew 6, verse 19, Jesus is talking again. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in where? Yeah, treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And basically Jesus is saying to us in our culture, don't let a big retirement and living on easy street someday motivate all of your decisions now. 
I know for some of us, it motivates every decision we, we, we have right now is having a good retirement and living where we want to live. He says, let what's coming next in the afterlife motivate your now. Don't try to make here your heaven. You will never make here as good as heaven can even be on its worst day. You will never create that. It will never compete. So store up treasures in heaven. And I believe many of those treasures in heaven. And this is just what I've always believed because there's a reason you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, okay? It's like when you die here, nothing goes with you except for a couple things. And one of those things, which I believe are one of the most important things, are the people that you have taken time while you've lived on this earth to tell about Jesus, and they end up in heaven because of your impact in their life. That's a treasure in heaven. That's what we live for. That's how we let our next motivate our now. And we live with this evangelistic mindset. Let what's coming next motivate you now. Reach people for Christ. Build up the church. In fact, I've got a, we've got a series starting this next week called Gone Fishing. And we've got a slide for you to put up. And I will just tell you this. It is going to be so helpful to all of us because it will equip and inspire us to reach the lost and tell people about Jesus in a way that is effective and authentic. Because if we're going to truly store up treasure in heaven, how do we do that? If we're going to let the next motivate the now, what does it look like to have an eternal impact this side of heaven? We're going to talk about that for, for five weeks, and I'm just telling you, don't miss starting next week. It's going to be powerful, and I believe it will change all of us, including our church, um, by us being able to learn how to reach more people with the story of Jesus Christ. Because let me just tell you, I'm not interested in filling these seats just for the sake of filling these seats. I just want people to know Jesus. I want people to have the peace that I've found. I'm just telling you, Jesus Christ is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I want everybody to experience what he brings when he enters into somebody's life. And so here's the last one. The last action step, the last application to this is this. Um, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Because part of your response might be a little bit of fear, a little bit of worry, a little bit of concern. That's not the intention of today. I will just tell you this. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you don't need to worry about any of this. You're invited to this wedding feast that's described in Revelation where Jesus marries his bride, the church, you and me, where you and I are sealed and protected and your name is written in the book of life. That all comes with accepting Jesus. Scripture kind of pulls back the veil, allows us to see into the afterlife as a warning for sure, but also as a way to give us hope, to give us something to hope in that is bigger than and better than here. This whole series has been about hope. That's why I wanted to do it because I read stuff about the Bible and the Bible about heaven. I read stuff about what is to come and what God is preparing for us. And I'm just filled with hope. I'm just telling you, and I, and I, I want to live my life here as best I can. I want to, it's like I want to, I want to live it well. I want to like, what, what's the, what's the saying? I want to be ridden hard and put away wet. Okay. If you're like a horse rider, that's what I want. I want to use my life well to impact people for eternity. I love my life here, but I'm just telling you, I look forward to the day where the burdens of this life and the worries of this life and the struggle of this life, I don't care anymore because I'm with Jesus. I look forward to that day. It's a hope-filling message. Even today, talking about Jesus coming, man, I, I would love to be alive when that happened. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be cool? That'd be amazing. I know it's going to happen someday, but man, in the meantime, I'm just filled with hope, and that is my hope for you, that you would find your hope in Jesus and living for him with an expectation and anticipation for what is to come, not to take away from anything in this life and not to live it well and do it well and retire well. 
but be filled with hope at a future with him. So I want to ask you guys to stand up with me, and I want to pray before we close out our service singing a couple of songs. So go ahead and and stand up, and let me pray for us. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you so much that you have um, given us the ability to know what is to come, that you've spoken with truth and clarity that we might find hope in you. And Jesus, I pray that this morning would be a hope-filled morning that we would walk out of here and that we would dwell on what we talked about here and live with our minds and hearts set on things above, not on things below. And so, Lord, I just invite you right this moment to just fill this place with your tangible presence as we worship you and we connect with what's going on in heaven right now. In your holy name, amen. And I'll just tell you, um, I love ending our services this way um, because I believe that what we're about to do in the next 10 minutes or so is the closest thing we can do to connect with what's actually happening in heaven right now. Scripture says that there is just worship going on of God 24-7. You don't have to do that, I don't think. You're not forced to do that. But there is an option, an opportunity to worship God in person 24-7. It's going on all the time. And so when we do this, we might do it for 10 minutes, we are joining with the heavens and worshiping our God. And so I want the next 10 minutes to fill you with hope like nobody's business, man. I just hope that you would open your heart, sing at the loudest possible decibel that you can create who cares what you sound like god's listening no one else around you hears a thing okay god can do that um and i just want you to enjoy the next few moments as we um join in the heavenly chorus that's happening right this moment